Hello, and welcome to the Agape House of Worship weekly podcast. Through this podcast, we hope and pray that you will be equipped and empowered to live the life that God has planned for you. If you are blessed by this message and would like more information, please visit our website at www.agapehousenj.org. Thank you and God bless. this word come with power, with potency, with grace. Let it accomplish the purpose for which it was sent so that Jesus will be glorified, so that our lives will never remain the same. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen and amen. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. We talked about this last Bible study, that the disciples didn't actually obey this at will. They didn't. Even this is what Jesus told them. You receive power, and you must go. They didn't. In fact, the apostles did not. In fact, there was almost no record that they did. They did not. They received the power. They stayed in Jerusalem, but they didn't go to Judea. They didn't go to Samaria, and they did not go to the ends of the earth. They didn't. They act like us. Church was growing. Things were going to do good. People were added to the church. People were giving a lot of money. If you didn't give like Ananias, you get struck to death. People were bringing money. Church became a mega church. Things were fine. They didn't. They didn't think about it. And God said, you know, this has to be done. So God brought persecution. All right? One guy who was Philip was killed. And after Philip was killed, in Acts chapter 8, persecution broke out. And the Bible said they all went everywhere and they started preaching the gospel. And the first place they went, Judea, Samaria. Believers. Not the, 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 the apostles still stayed in Jerusalem. All right? But the rest of the believers went to the ends of the earth. It was the and that's where they were. They were going, they were doing Judea, Samaria, and all those places. But they still did not go to the ends of the earth. The apostle never called a meeting, never said, can we gather together? Can we plot? Can we say how we're going to do it? No. It was when they didn't do that, God called a man called Apostle Paul. They call a new guy. Apostle Paul, if you go, if you're a good student of the Bible, you have been reading the book of Acts. You see that it wasn't until Acts chapter 13, when they were praying, Paul, Apostle Paul was there, and a number of people were there. The Holy Spirit spoke to them and said, separate me, Paul, and Barnabas, for the work I have called them. That is when the first missionary journey began. Apostle Paul and Barnabas took the gospel and started going to the ends of the earth. So you see that a lot of times when the outpouring comes, we don't respond correctly. And that's when we see, because when there's an outpouring, God pours for a reason. When the Holy Spirit is moving in your life in a place, in a a church, it is for a reason. There's always an implication it must have. All right? So I'm going to give you a few things I'm going to share today. A few points that I think should really help us to understand what I'm talking about. Now, anywhere there is an outpouring, 
there must be, there is always an action. The Holy Spirit always comes for a reason. For a reason. And we can go through the scripture. I'll, I'll give you an example. The Holy Spirit was at creation. Hallelujah. Bible says the world was formed by the breath of God. In fact, if you go to Genesis, one of the things you'll see that the earth was formless, the earth was empty, darkness was all over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was there. Anytime you see the Spirit of God, it's because there was something to be done. The Holy Spirit does not move, does not over, does not show up for no reason. No, he doesn't do it. He doesn't just show up just to show up. He's an action man. But when we started studying the book of Acts, one of the first things I said is, it should be named the act of the Holy Spirit, not the act of the apostle. Because it's actually the Holy Spirit doing different things. The Holy Spirit using the apostles, using the non-apostles, using the ordinary people, using Philips, using Stephen, using every believer. It is the actions of the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is the spirit of action. Hallelujah. It doesn't just show up just to show up. It shows up so that there can, something can be accomplished. Anytime you don't see action, if you're in a church where there's no movement, there's nothing, it's because the spirit is not moving. In fact, Jesus said in John chapter 6, verse 63, it is the spirit that quickens. It is the spirit that gives life. It is the spirit that gives energy. It is the spirit that propels the flesh profit nothing. No wonder the church isn't going forward. No wonder there's less movement. No wonder there's less salvation. No wonder there's less healing. There's less movement. There's less movement of the gospel because the spirit of God is not moving as he should in the church of Christ. Amen. Anywhere you see the Holy Spirit, there is action. When the angel came to Mary and told Mary, you're going to be pregnant, you know, without a man, you're going to have a child, and that child shall, build the, shall bring salvation to the whole world. The first question Mary asked is, how can this thing be? I have never known a man. The angel responded, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. That means there's going to be an outpouring. In fact, he said, the power of the Most High will overshadow you, right? Overwhelm you, overflow, pour into your life. Because the Holy Spirit is the action man of the Trinity. When, they, when the Trinity wants action, they send the Holy Spirit there. When the world has to be created, the Holy Spirit is there. Jesus had to be born miraculously the Holy Spirit is there. And when you look at the life of Jesus himself, when you look at uh, even his ministry, in Luke chapter 4, Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit after his baptism. He was baptized, you know, in Luke chapter 3. At the end of Luke chapter 3, we read the account of his baptism. And when you get to Luke chapter 4, the first thing that happened is Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And for 40 days, he was tempted by the devil, you know, and all those stories. So the Holy Spirit is always moving. He's always in action. He is the spirit action. The action might be create, right? 
He came upon Jesus. The Bible said he went about doing good and healing those who are oppressed of the devil. The action might be to bring order. At the beginning, he brought order. He was without form and void. The presence of the Holy Spirit brings order. So when you are being touched by the Holy Spirit, it's for a reason. The Holy Spirit doesn't touch people just to knock them down, just to make them shake. No, 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 no. There is always a reason. And that reason is to move you into the right direction, whether to create order in your life, whether to bring healing, whether to bring illumination, whether to bring is there to bring something because he is not a dormant spirit, is the spirit of action. And when you see someone filled with the Holy Spirit, they are people of action. They are people of action. They are people with zeal. They are people with fervor. They are people with, uh, with knowledge. They are people with wisdom. They are people with understanding. Because the Holy Spirit always brings action. Praise the name of Jesus. The next point, which you must know, is that the outpouring of the Holy Spirit now always requires a corresponding action on our part. Is there to move, but there must be a corresponding action on the one the Spirit is being poured upon. There must be a corresponding action on the church that its Spirit is being poured out upon. So the outpouring requires a corresponding action for it to really accomplish its purpose. Very important to know. We'll go back to Genesis chapter 1. Well, God said now the earth was formless, empty. Darkness was over the, over the surface of the deep. And the spirit of the Lord was overing over the waters. Then what, did, what happened? And God took action. Right? God said. You see, when in time there is the presence of the Holy Spirit is there for action, but it requires a corresponding action or a reaction from you. Sometimes we have the anointing, we have the Holy Spirit, but there's no action. When there's no reaction from our part, nothing happens. Nothing happens. Even the purpose can be missed, can be stopped. So a lot of time we stop God from doing what he wants to do. God now spoke. That was God's corresponding action, right? He said, let there be light, and there was light. In Acts chapter 2, verse 4, the Bible says, the Holy Spirit, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit, right? And what happened? And they began to speak. Did you see that now? If you're filled with the Holy Spirit and you don't take action, there will be nothing that will be accomplished. So the apostles began to speak, or the disciples rather, 120 of them. They took corresponding action. I wanted to say corresponding action. Corresponding action. You're filled with the Holy Spirit, but what action are you taking? What action? Anytime there's God's presence, anytime there is the anointing of God over your life, anytime you sense his presence, you should always ask, what is my corresponding action? Acts chapter 4, verse 8. Look at Peter. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them. 
right? Feel what the Holy Spirit said. Sometimes the action is to speak. Sometimes the action is to command mountain. You know, sometimes the anointing comes upon you is for warfare. He wants you to make a declaration. But you don't make any declaration. Sometimes he, he comes upon you is to praise. Sometimes is to take some action, to move. When the Holy Spirit comes on you, there must be a corresponding action, especially when it comes as an outpour, when it touches you. So the Bible says, Peter, being filled, recognize. So I'm sure Peter was sitting down now. It, it, was, be, it was before the Sanhedrin and all those things. They were talking. They were telling him, you know, they were telling them, you can't do this. Being filled me, he recognizes, right, the anointing of God over his life. And that is when he said, you know, what should I do with the Holy Spirit? And the, said, speak. And he began to speak. Hallelujah. And he said to them, rulers, elders of the people, you can read the rest of the story. It was a powerful message that he preached. I mean, it was, he couldn't have done that by himself, but by responding to the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 10, verse 38, we read the account of Jesus Christ, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went. Did you see that? God anointed him, that is, God poured his spirit upon him. And what did Jesus do? He went about. Many of us have been anointed. What are you doing with your anointing? What are you doing? You're not anointed to sit in church. You're not anointed to warm up the, the chairs. You're not anointed to just sit down. No, 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 no. You're anointed for action. I want you to turn to your neighbor, tell them you are anointed for action. And what action are you taking? Hallelujah. So everywhere, if you study, just study, anywhere, you know, anywhere there is a, there's a Holy Spirit moving, hovering, pouring, there must be an action. The action might be... You know, even when he's moving over a church, we need to begin to ask, what does he want us to do now? What does he want us to do now? And look, at, we are doing something. That's why there's been a lot of action here. Action around us, action all over the world, action in church, action everywhere, praying for sick, for the sick, moving in the gift of the... Because whenever the Holy Spirit is moving, there must be a corresponding action. Oh boy, we miss out a lot when we don't take action, when the Holy Spirit is moving. We miss out. We miss out on God's plan, God's purpose, God's, what he wants to do, his intention. We miss out big time if we don't move when the Spirit is moving. It's not just enough for the Spirit to move. There must be people who will move at the direction of the Holy Spirit. Whether it's speaking, whether it's responding, whether it's worshiping, whether it's praying, whether it's praying for the sick, whether it's, you know, fulfilling your purpose, whether it's writing a book, what is moving you to do something. It's not just moving you. It's moving you for action. It's moving you to preach the gospel. Moving us to go out. Let's go out and preach the gospel. It's moving us to go into mission. It's moving us to do great things. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. 
praise the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Number three, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit requires emptiness. So you see that our brother's word this morning that led praise and worship was precise, on point. You know, you know, you see, on point. It's just emptiness. Emptiness means submissiveness, right? Yieldedness. That's, that's being empty. Because you really can't be filled if you're already full. And many times we are full of things, full of ourselves, full of our ideas, full of our ways, full of our wisdom. And, and that's, for the most part, that's what we like. In the, this current church, talking about the body of Christ, that's what we are lacking. We are full of ourselves. We are full of our ideas. We are full of skills. We are full of tactics. We are full of... Everything by not the Holy Spirit. We're full of ideas. People say, oh, any all this praying? You know, there's a way to grow church without all this praying. People make some careless statements that the early church cannot even imagine anybody making those kind of statements. They cannot even imagine. People, in an attempt to be cute, people make statements like, oh, instead of just sitting down praying, some people are making millions. They have nothing to do with each other, okay? Don't make stupid statements like that. All right? Prayer achieves something. Making money achieves something. They both, in fact, they both work hand in hand. Go and make your million without praying and we'll see what you will do with it. You see? All right? So, so the Holy Spirit, the church of God is not understanding this role that when we have the Holy Spirit, he helps us to do everything. I mean, the early church, look at them. They were really not the they were not the elites. They were not the smartest people. They were not the educated people. Now, they, they didn't have books to read about how to run a mega church. Right? <laughs> how to run a mega I mean, can you imagine you just one day you preach, 5,000 people give their life, you have a mega church, boom. You need to set up administration ministries or structures, you know. I mean, now we're just going to be reading books. We go, you know, I'm not against reading books. You know that. But what I'm saying is they didn't have those benefits. But they had something. They have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit taught them all that. So they had wisdom. They knew you have to appoint leaders. You have to do this. They knew they, you, have to have, you, know, you have to have structure. They ran the church. They did well. And they eventually said, you know what? We can move. We're going to go all over the world. They set up missionary journeys. I mean, they set up out of, you know, offering. I mean, can you imagine you have to, to even start a church, you have to design so many things, right? How do we run the service? How do we do this? How do we do that? They learned all those things by being filled with the Holy Spirit. There's a lot you can learn by being filled with the Holy Spirit. There's a lot you can learn in your career. There's a lot you can learn in your marriage. There's a lot you can learn. The reason why we have problems is because we don't learn from the Holy Spirit. Nobody has problem by working with the Holy Spirit too much. The problem is we don't even work with him at all. He, he won't tell you to slap your wife or to do all those crazy things you do that got you in trouble. No, the Holy Spirit gives you wisdom, gives you understanding, teaches you how to walk, teaches you how to forgive, teaches, I mean, it's incredible. Be filled. That's why the Bible says, be not drunk with wine, 
wearing in excess, be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. Show me a man, a woman who is continually filled with the Holy Spirit. You will see a balanced person. You will see a man of wisdom. You see a woman of wisdom, a woman of character. You will see a woman that is growing prosperous in every way. That's a person filled with the Holy Spirit. Stop shutting down the Holy Spirit. Stop saying, I don't need too much of him. No, you are deceiving yourself. You can't have the life God wants you to live without the Holy Spirit. Praise the name of Jesus. A poor requires emptiness. You know, people who are not filled with the Holy Spirit are people who are full with things. Isaiah 44, 3 says, I will pour water on the thirsty land. Are you thirsty? Are you thirsty? And stream on the dry ground. I will pour out my spirit on your offspring and my blessing. Blessing always follows the outpouring of the spirit. When there's an outpouring of the spirit, there's an outpouring of blessing. You know, anywhere you see the spirit moving, there will be everything that is needed. I mean, the early church didn't lack anything. They didn't lack money. They didn't lack weight. I mean, they had everything. They had the Holy Spirit and they had everything. But we must be empty. We can be full of our ways and expect to be full of the Holy Spirit. We can be full of our methods and expect to be full of the Holy Spirit. We can be full of junk, bitterness, anger, and be full of the Holy Spirit. You can be full of all those things and expect. He wants an empty vessel. I want to say, Lord, I empty myself. Empty me, Lord. Remove every junk. Clear out every junk. Everything that is filling me that is not of you. Remove them, Lord, and fill me with your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Lastly, outpouring, the outpouring requires keeping our vessels clean. Keeping our vessels clean. Keeping our verses clean. Second Timothy 2.21 says, Those who clean, cleanse themselves from the latter will be instruments for special purpose or vessels. You know, vessels are container, right? When you say vessel, even the, that's what they call ship, right? Vessel. Vessels are container, but they are moving container, right? They move things, right? They move them, you know, so... Like your plate. That's why you wash your plate, right? If you use a plate for uh, noodles, you clean it before you put rice or you put some other things. I guess some people don't do that. Young people don't care anymore. They just put everything together, right? But hopefully you wash your plate at least. You know that uh, they must be clean. The same way we must be if we're going to experience our pouring, we must present a clean vessel to God. And we must always go to him. And, you know, because in Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verse 1, if you read the King James Version, he said, dead flies makes the ointment to stink. So the anointing will stink when there is sin, you know? You know how stinking it is if you see a church person that is messing up? It stinks more, Right? Somebody that claims they are anointed, shakalabo soturi, but they step up, they are shouting, they are yelling, they are punching somebody in the parking lot. That stinks. You know, that stinks, right? Because it's, it's worse. 
So we must present a clean vessel to the Lord. How do we present a clean vessel? We present our vessel for him to clean. Ultimately, we don't actually have the power to clean ourselves. All right? But we can present ourselves for him to purify us, to clean us, remove every junk, remove every impurity, everything that is not of him, every motive, everything in the corner of our heart, ask him to remove him. Because those who cleanse themselves will be vessels of special purposes made holy and useful to the master. The Lord, you, you won't be useful if your vessel is impure. I mean, you can have a beautiful vessel that is not clean. You will put them aside, right? You'd rather pick a plastic one that is clean. How many of us would rather do that, right? If you go into your thing, you want to get a plate. I mean, the most beautiful plate, that's not what you pay. You pick the one that is clean. Even if they don't have a lot of values, even if they are not China, or whatever we call them now, I mean, that's what they called them when I was growing up, yeah, so I'm sure things have changed. You know, those nice plates, you know, even if you have them, if they are not clean, they are not useful. I would rather use a takeaway plate that is clean. And that's it. That's why sometimes God would rather use some other people that we think they are not qualified. All right? God would rather use some people. So it's important. So God wants to pour out. That's his word for us. But there must be corresponding action from us. There, we must present him with empty vessel. We can be full of our ideas. We can be that opinionated with God. We can be that subjective with God. And expect him to fill us. We can be unclean and expect him to use us. So I want us to go before God. We have three minutes to pray. Wow, I did well today. Can you imagine that? I preach in 30 minutes. That, that's what happens when the Holy Spirit is there. Right? You do the job quick, right? Hallelujah. I want us to lift, let's rise up and just lift up our hands and say, Lord, please purify us. Please cleanse us. We are ready for the outpouring. Lord, we are ready to be used because we know what it means. It means better life. It means understanding. It means wisdom. It means action. Lord, please cleanse me. Purify me. Tell, tell him. If there's anything particular is convicting you of, I want you to tell him. Some of you are so opinionated. Some of you are so, you know, you're so subjective. You're full of things. You're full of yourself. You know, that's why God is not failing you. You're full of your ideas, how you want to live your life. God is telling you otherwise you know. He's convicting you. He comes over. You shake him off. You say, no. Say, God, I present an empty vessel. Cleanse me. Wash me. Purify me, Lord. I, want, I need a fresh outpouring, but a fresh outpouring must be poured on an empty vessel, on a clean vessel. Lord, I empty myself, and I'm asking you to empty me. Lord, I present myself to be cleansed, to be washed, to be purified in the mighty name of Jesus. So I can be, hallelujah, so that I can be a vessel that is ready for your use. A vessel qualified to be blessed in the mighty name of Jesus. Just present yourself. 
Holy Spirit, I'm asking you that you just move through this congregation now and begin to do a work of emptiness, emptying, a, month of, a work of purifying. And I'm asking, Holy Spirit, you will just move in this place. You release your grace. You release your favor. You release your power over your people. I'm asking over children, over adults, over men, over women. I'm asking you, Holy Spirit, have your way in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, I'm asking you, Lord, according to your promise, we want an outpouring. We need a fresh outpouring. Father, we want to be that church that you are pouring yourself on experiencing you, a church experiencing revival, experiencing your power, a solution center to the world, a place of action, a place where people encounter you on a regular basis. Lord, I'm asking you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Lord, we release ourselves and we open our heart. Use us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Before I pray, if anyone here wants to surrender his life to Jesus, having Christ is the most beautiful thing. Having him as your personal Lord and Savior. You know, after, I don't know what we finished doing, my son said, look, being a, child, being a Christian is actually fun. It's not as boring as the world has painted it to be. That's the enemy painting what it, it is like. It is fun. And some of you, maybe you have been just afraid, afraid to give it all, all to Jesus. Yeah, you show up in church, you know, you come, you don't, you know, you're not antagonistic against God, but you have not fully surrendered to him. I want all eyes closed while I pray for these people. You are not fully surrendered, and you know it. I'd like to pray for you today. Today might be your day. Can you wave your right hand? So I can pray for you. I want to say, Pastor, please pray for me. I want to fully surrender. Thank you, man. God bless you. And there might be one, more, one or two more people. I just want, don't want to miss you. Any other person in the house, you want to fully surrender. You want to say, Jesus, I fully surrender. Ma'am, you're making a very important decision today. I want you to place that hands on your chest. Place it on your chest. And I just want you to say, Jesus, I thank you because you died for me. I thank you because you pay the price and today I surrender myself I accept your offering I accept your gift of salvation and I ask take over my life I want to be a vessel for you I want to be used by you thank you Jesus in Jesus name Amen Father thank you I pray Lord your word planted in our heart we bear fruits we grow and bear multiple fruits, 30s, 60s, and 100s, to the glory of your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's put our hands together. Amen.